This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. The Arizona Cardinals select Tyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. All right, guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we're back here to recap all of our picks from Week 9 in the NFL. Some went better than others. Um, mine went pretty good, actually, uh, aside from a few uh, misses, I guess, here or there. Uh, Dylan, what do you think? We're looking at our picks here. We're over midway through, or I guess we're at, man, a little bit over midway point of the season now um our picks thus far we feel like we've shelled out some pretty good advice when it comes for the most part to our betting locks our overall picks they're okay we've had some upset picks that have worked out for us but uh i think we've done done well thus far yeah we've done fairly well i think it's we have weeks where we go you know 13 and 1 or 12 and 2 followed by some uh, worse <laughs> yeah. weeks i think yeah going into the last week you were 75 and 43 i was 79 and 39 mm. now you but you gained two games out of me so my uh, my four game lead in our in our standings is down to two so you you made up some ground i didn't have the the best week and then yeah, the two games we we flipped on you you won both so uh, but overall, doing pretty well. I think, yeah, the betting locks you've been better than me. Upsets, I've some hit or miss ones that did not hit this week, unfortunately, or my, my betting lock. We'll get to that Steeler Cowboy game, which ended up so much better than what we anticipated last <laughs> week. But And overall, that afternoon window was definitely the, the highlight of the day. Yeah, well, one of our games of the week did not end up uh, better than anticipated. Uh, that's for sure. We'll get to that one in a second. Uh, let's start with the Seahawks and Bills. That was my pick for game of the week. Uh, that one, I guess, overall, when you look at it, um, that was also one that uh, probably didn't exactly go the way we expected. Bills got off to a hot start. 44-34, a high-scoring affair there between these two. And I guess when we talk about these two teams, we've really talked about the offense all year long. Um, and it's kind of fitting that you have a game like this where the defenses just were not good. Uh, you had Josh Allen, you know, throw for 415 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, this was, man, this was another one of those wild, high-scoring games, which we saw a lot of uh, on this slate uh, from the weekend. Yeah, and I think we learned from Seattle kind of what we've talked about with they need to be perfect on offense for it to work against their uh, quality opponents. They've beaten some other teams that aren't so great uh, where the offense maybe struggles at points. But yesterday it was <laughs> Buffalo had no, uh, you know, no struggles at all moving the ball. That's you could, I don't want to take too much away from what Josh Allen was able to do. He was phenomenal putting up another fantastic performance. Uh, the best we've seen him throw the ball since early in the season. But 
Um, I, I, I didn't run the ball insanely well, but I mean, he carried them and that was one part of why I thought maybe, you know, we'd pick Seattle to win this game. And I thought they look a little bit better. Seattle did kind of get a groove later against the Buffalo defense, which uh, wasn't fantastic on the, on the game as a whole, giving up over 400 yards, but they did, you know, have that interception in the end zone, another pick, um, Wilson as well. It's just for, for Seattle again, it's, they're six and two. They're feeling pretty good still with the Cardinals loss. They're still in first place in the NFC West, but I just am concerned about how well the offense has to play consistently for them to have, you know, to move through the, the playoffs and we eventually get to that point. They're going to be there, but their defense is still a major concern for Buffalo. It still is for them as well, maybe not as much. Uh, Buffalo's defense, I, I still think there's a higher upside for them that they could reach than what Seattle has in the tank. Um, it'll come down to the consistency of Josh Allen because, uh, yeah, they didn't run the ball well in this game at all. Um, and still being able to put 44 points, that's not something I, I would have thought going into the game would have been the case. And uh, so, yeah, Josh Allen, definitely, maybe maybe he's trying to eke his way back into that MVP conversation with this game. Yep, it was impressive. We said this was sort of a statement type of game potentially for the Bills, and uh, it was. That was uh, it's a nice win against the Seahawks for sure. Uh, speaking of nice wins, the Saints, man, it was like um, <laughs> it was like a Thursday night weird game broke out on Sunday night. Because the Saints, that was your pick here for the Saints and the Bucks. It's your game of the week. And, well, uh, I was right there with you and saying, man, this is going to be great. Well, I don't know. I just picked this one, too. Well, kind of glad I didn't because this was pure destruction. Um, I don't think in a million years you could have told me that this game was going to be 31 to nothing at halftime. And I would have <laughs> thought, okay, did Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk, Ronald Jones, like did everyone just decide they weren't going to play in this game? Then I maybe would have believed you. But this was just, this was nuts. Like, I don't know how else to put it. It was just pure domination from start to finish. Um, the Bucks had eight rushing yards. Eight. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, I don't even know what you say to that. And then, of course, the, the tale of two stats when it comes to Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Brees throws four touchdowns. Brady throws three interceptions. Uh, and that was pretty much it in this one. This wasn't even, this wasn't even close. Like, this wasn't even a game. Yeah, I went into this game thinking in one of my fantasy leagues I had an easy victory against one of my best friends. All I needed was Tom Brady to score like, you know, I don't know what it was, 12 points, 13 points, something like that. And sure enough, he comes out and has arguably his worst game of the year. But obviously, I don't think the team played that well around him. They've got (laughs) mauled up front, which is not really something uh, we've said consistently for uh, the Bucs. The offensive line has played uh, pretty well. They've been kind of middle of the pack in terms of, uh, where they've been projected by Pro Football Focus and all those things, and the Saints just smacked them in the mouth. So you have that factoring in. And, yeah, you mentioned the, they have five well, five carries, I guess, if you include a, uh, the Blake Gabbert one late in the game, but yeah. four, care, four actual running plays. It was I, I saw somewhere it was the lowest, in, at least in the Super Bowl era, probably even before, really, uh, attempts ever. Um, the, the previous was a tie with, like, four teams that had six rushing attempts. And here we have Tampa Bay throwing the ball four times, especially early in the game. Just It was three and out after three and out after three and out. Uh, not that they could run the ball really well anyway. They just, in every facet of the game up front on that side of the ball, they got destroyed on the flip side. Yeah, their defense to Tampa Bay, which has saved them when their offense obviously doesn't play this bad, but plays uh, poorer uh, than you know some of their games. It has performed really well to keep them in games. And just you saw how methodical New Orleans was able to be. They didn't run the ball super efficiently in terms of their total yards, but when they needed to, they were able to, to take care of business up front. They are able to control the game, obviously, with a lot of the rushing attempts coming when they're having a huge lead. But Drew Brees did enough. They just kind of nickel and dime Tampa down the field, never got out of their game plan in terms of trying to force things down the field. It worked out really well, and 
Uh, that's the result you get for a game. Yeah, I was really hoping for a much better uh, a better matchup there, but New Orleans made a statement that this is still their division. I guess for my Super Bowl pick in terms of uh, in terms of New Orleans being in the Super Bowl, this does lend <laughs> well there. But yeah, I thought Tampa Bay would have a much better uh, out, uh, performance here, and sure enough, just completely got smacked in the mouth. I, sh- I think they'll respond, but uh, it definitely is a, something to think about if these two teams face in the playoffs. New Orleans now 2-0 against them, and this statement win uh, says a lot about where they are right now. Yeah, your pick of the Saints in the Super Bowl looking pretty good. My pick of the Cowboys and Bucks in the NFC title game looking great <laughs> right now. Boy, that one is just looking like a pure, just prognostic, like Nostradamus, like right here. Just mark it down. Uh, boy, what what a choice that was. Well, although I'm not going to get that one right, I did get my uh, betting lock of the week right, and that pretty much is more important when you're throwing money around. Uh, and your betting picks, uh, we got back on track, baby. We're finally back here with my betting locks. Uh, we had the Browns and the uh, Bills, you know, screw everything up for a couple of weeks. But uh, we're back here. Vikings minus four. They nailed it. Uh, they win by two touchdowns, 34-20 mm-hmm. to against the Lions. Um, hey, the Vikings are getting better. That's good. The Lions are pretty much still the Lions. And if you're a Dalvin Cook fantasy owner like Dylan is, uh, you're feeling pretty <laughs> good about things right now. Yeah, in our Clutch Points League, he has definitely carried me the last couple of weeks. I don't know if I needed this many uh, points this week, but yeah, he's been phenomenal. Detroit kind of, you know, it's kind of what we, this game out of all the ones we talked about leading up to it, I think we nailed this right on the head in terms of Minnesota being a lot better than their record and Detroit still being the Detroit Lions are not, <laughs> uh, the offense isn't fantastic. It probably should have performed better than this. I thought obviously Stafford wasn't able to practice or be with the team as they told you over and over and over again during the, the, the telecast. Uh, yes, we know that he was on the COVID list throughout the week and uh, that obviously I'm sure that played a, a decent role, but they just overall, it just was pretty messy on that side of the ball. And on the flip side, yeah, they got dominated up front where this Minnesota offensive line, again, it may not be the best pass blocking line, but if they can run the ball efficiently, it really allows them to set up a lot of play action that fits right into what Kirk Cousins wants to do. Um, I, at least, at least one of the touchdowns I remember was, yeah, just a play fake with the whole defense bit had his receiver uh, wide open. I think at least two actually now that I think of it, both touchdowns to Irv Smith came on play action. So yeah, it it sets the tone for that offense against teams with really good rushing defenses. It might be a, it's going to be a different story for Minnesota week to week, but in this matchup, yeah, that, that told the whole story. They could have done anything they wanted running the ball. Eight yard, <laughs> over eight yards per carry is just a ridiculous number that Detroit, I mean, uh, I know we were kind of excited about them, but we talked about the defense not really being in a place where it, they'd be, you know, they need the offense to kind of carry the team. If they're not going to do that, they're going to be stuck in this 6-10, and 10, kind of 7-9 and nine range by the end of the season. Well, you went out on a limb and decided that you would take the Steelers by two touchdowns uh, in Dallas yeah. against the Cowboys. I was, I said if it had been 13, I would have took it in a second. Um, well, might have been a lot better game than we thought it would, and for a while there it looked like the Cowboys were going to somehow hand the Steelers their first loss of the season. That didn't happen. Cowboys went into the fourth quarter with a double-digit lead. Steelers a race at 15 points, and they went at 24-19. to 19. Uh, man, I was really hoping for my fantasy team. I'll tell you this. Uh, I, you know, having the Steelers defense, I was like, this is going to be 20 points without, I mean, just without question. And mm-hmm. uh, that'd be nice to have right now instead of the five that they got me uh, as I trail by 25 heading into the family <laughs> league matchup tonight with Damian Harris. I mean, listen, oh, Damian boy. Harris, he's playing the Jets, right? He could he could rack up three touchdowns tonight yeah. and get me the points. Uh, but as for this game, 
I mean, look, I, you know, it's the NFL. I think you're going to have games like this where, you know, you're an undefeated team. You're playing quite possibly one of the worst teams in the league right now. Um, you just kind of struggle a bit, but then you try to find your way. And for the Steelers, they found their way and they got the win. And I'd say uh, this is one that Mike Tomlin's going to find some things he can teach on, but also going to probably just chalk it up and say, let's move on from this and go forward here as we are undefeated midway through the season. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what I should take away from Pittsburgh because they are undefeated, obviously, but they, and as we've talked about, they've beaten a lot of bad teams. They, but that, that kind of narrative changed the last couple of weeks, the Titans game where they, you know, played a much better than the result of a three point win. And obviously the Ravens game last week, find, figuring out a way to win that one. I'm still, yeah, like you said, I don't know if you, this is just a game you can throw away. I, it's, I guess, I, I didn't really think they'd come into this. I, I, you know, they could be confident, but it really felt like the game started and on, on defense in particular up front until later in the game. Like they, it just felt like they thought they were going to cruise by these guys. They're going to have no problem. And Garrett Gilbert trying to, you know, I forgot completely that he was the quarterback that replaced Colt McCoy for Texas in the national title game <laughs> yeah. like, like a decade ago against Alabama. And I was like, wow, that's the same dude. And he came out and looked pretty comfortable. They, uh, I mean, obviously 19 points, not a huge total, but against the Steeler, uh, against the Steeler defense that, was quite the feat. They obviously could have scored some more points. Dallas had some opportunities that they, uh, especially right at the end of the half of that fumble where they allowed uh, Pittsburgh to get that last second field goal. I mean, there's things that kind of didn't go their way, but their defense played much better than I expected. And that that's one side of the ball where I was like, for Pittsburgh's offense, I feel like this was an opportunity for you to, for all the, I mean, especially last week, they even though they were able to pull that out against Baltimore, they did not move the ball insanely well and I thought they were going to come out here and make a statement on offense and be able to run all over Dallas instead they run 18 times for 46 yards against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL that was just staggering to me they, they find a way to win but uh, yeah I'm just trying not to, to look too far into this as you're saying I, I'm glad you said that it calmed me down a bit because I was like man Pittsburgh your guys are undefeated but I just and I know you beat the Ravens but I am concerned what we're going to see from this team at the end of the season against the better con, uh, you know, competition. Maybe they're playing up to their competition, uh, maybe playing down a little bit. That could be it a bit. So uh, just like you said, throw it away. Let's move on to the next one and try to judge a little more from there. Well, this was the game I was most excited to talk about here as uh, we go into our upset picks of the week, uh, which I picked the Raiders to upset the Chargers. It was not much of an upset. The Raiders were one-point underdogs. But as I said, <clears throat> it was my only underdog pick of the week, so I kind of had to make it my uh my upset pick of the week but um i just like this is our new brand right here like the chargers are also part of our brand now because we bring this up so often now about the chargers and just the, the way they lose some of these games and just some of these I, I like i don't even know where you start with it um just i don't like i don't even know what you say about this because this is another one of those games like if you i'm convinced if you put the chargers and the falcons in a game um, I don't, and you say you cannot tie. I don't, I still don't think anyone would win. Like, I just feel like both of these teams would somehow find a way to lose this game. But it's because we've seen kind of these weird, crazy, wacky endings that they've had in games and, uh, chalk yeah. it up to another one here for the Chargers. Yeah, it was really fun game to watch. If you like offensive football, Derek Carr made some throws that I know the Charger defense isn't, you know, amazing it's it's pretty solid where it's ranking on the season but it's not a defense that scares you but Derek Carr was making some fantastic passes and Justin Herbert again looked really good for large stretches of this game so I mean the quarterback play was fun the defense as we know especially on, on not Oakland anymore but on Vegas' side is still coming along um, but yeah it was just a 
like in terms of our brand with the Chargers, it, I, it was the, the perfect image was the zero seconds on the clock, final score, 32-31. Yep. And obviously had the review underneath. They found a, a lot of people making jokes. They found a way to lose this game where they're, they're winning at the end, obviously. I don't know about the play call at the end um, with a fade yeah. when you have someone as mobile as Justin Herbert in general. And, uh, compared to other places, if you are on Twitter, on football Twitter, you probably see a lot of people making fun of teams that use goal line fades. We don't use, uh, talk about that too much, but it is – uh, especially ridiculous to me uh, in that circumstance where I forgot exactly who they were even throwing to on that play. It's not like Mike Williams had to come out on the on the fade before. That was a little more understandable. Um, and you do that when you have a QB as, as mobile as Justin Herbert. It's just I, I can't wrap my head around it. But, again, this game comes down more to, uh, at the end of the day, they, the Chargers outgained the, the Raiders, had a better third down efficiency, basically played a better game. But they, uh, in moments at the end of the first half obviously the they did get the break on making that field goal but the five point difference comes down to a, a missed field goal uh, from their kicker that was in the range I think it was a 47 yarder where Badgley's been pretty solid on the season and then the missed two-point conversion so I mean that's the five point difference you have right there and then the, all they need to do is kick a field goal at the end so it's a it's kind of a weird game in terms of uh, the final result for the Chargers it's it's just for them though that's the the norm and then the Raiders on the flip side uh, maybe not the most uh just dominant win that sets a tone moving forward, but they're five and three and you know, their schedule is not terrible as I look at it pretty quickly. They're, they have a lot of opportunities now. They still get to play the Broncos twice. They still have to play the chiefs, but they get the Falcons, they get the jets, they get the chargers again. So I, the playoffs should be on their mind for sure at, at that record. If they can find a way to scratch across four more wins, I think nine and seven might be enough in the AFC to get in. So that would be a big thing for no matter what they do in the postseason. If Oakland or Vegas is able to get in there, uh, good for them. Yeah, another playoff team uh, gets a win. And uh, unfortunately, Dylan, you do not get the win when it comes to your upset pick of the week. Uh, you picked the Bears against the Titans here. Titans win 24-17. Uh, this was another one that really wasn't close for the majority of the game until uh, the Bears scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but Titans led pretty convincingly heading into the, the fourth quarter in that game. But the Bears uh, probably not going to win, I think, if Nick Foles is throwing the ball 52 times. Um, no. just, just my opinion. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and then Ryan Tannehill, of course, only has to complete 10 passes in this one uh, for the Titans to get the win. Uh, so this was probably one of those ugly type games. I don't really think we expected much different with these two teams probably, um, just knowing kind of the state of the Bears offense. But uh, overall, I mean, another win for the Titans here and uh, the Bears, I think, to, to use the line from the uh, the, the late tennis screen, I think the, the Bears are who we thought they were at this point because uh, their offense isn't very good and uh, their, defense is, their defense isn't bad. It's just their offense just isn't any good. So. Yeah, I feel really bad for the defense. In this game, they only give up 228 yards. They only give up 17 points if you don't include the the fumble touchdown uh, that allowed the Titans to extend their lead from 10 to 17. They played a fantastic game against uh, – I mean, you look at the, the box score, but just watching the game, Derrick Henry was not able to get anything going. Ryan Tannehill only 10 for 21 with 158 yards. It it just wasn't pretty for on that side of the ball, and that's the kind of – game that you know the Bears could have won kind of this season their defense carrying them their offense doing enough and you it's just yeah like you said it's it, they are who we thought they were their offense is really really bad even when they play bad defenses we don't know that they're going to put up a huge uh, point total week to week and Tennessee's uh, you know defense has come along maybe a little bit but they're still not they're one of those teams again that we've kind of talked about where I'm not sure at the end of the day 
if they're going to be able to survive with that defense if they if their offense can't play perfect football. But against Chicago, it was more than enough. It's just weird. It's kind of looking at the, the stats. They get outgained by almost 160 yards and still were up 17-0, convincingly winning this game. Uh, that just shows you, yeah, the Bears on offense are just that big of a mess. So many three and outs, so many other just really, really brief drives that – put them behind and made their defense. It makes their, you know, how they played even more impressive. They had to be on the field so much of this game and uh, still just wasn't enough for them to get the win. Nope, was not. And uh, we'll get uh, some thoughts on the rest of the games uh, in our quick picks uh, section here in a minute. But first, let's tell you about our friends at Indeed. Uh, Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving. And, of course, that makes hiring more important than ever. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com, the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring process. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, just like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed, offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with the free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. So go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. All right. Well, uh, Dylan, we usually, as we say, we don't spend a lot of time on the Thursday night game. Uh, good to know because this really wasn't much of a game either. Uh, Packers <laughs> dominated the 49ers here. Uh, they were up 31-3, to I think, going into the fourth quarter. Um, just uh, another one. Man, you talk about – they think about those two games on paper going into the season. Mm-hmm. Saints, Bucks, Packers, 49ers. And, <laughs> like, both of them were just complete domination uh, from one team. And, and yeah. before you know it, like, it was the road team too. How crazy is mm-hmm. that? And uh, I guess – the only takeaway I have here is, man, I'm a, I'm a smart dude for picking Devontae Adams in every <laughs> league. Like, I, I said it before the season. I was like, look, there is no one else on this roster that is going to be able to do what this guy can do, and Aaron Rodgers yeah. is going to throw it to him every single time. Um, I mean, it's kind of played out that way thus far. Yeah, no, they're, it's incredible to watch their connection. They obviously carry that offense. But I, even though he didn't put up in, in insane numbers, I thought just Aaron Jones – you see they're able to do a bit more and able to open things up a bit more with their play calling when he's on the field with his versatility as a pass catcher. So that that played a role. But, I mean, obviously San Francisco was pretty depleted on on both sides of the ball. But obviously with these receivers, with guys, I forget the last name, but the guy with his first name was River that playing his first NFL game. I mean, it was an interesting uh, cast of uh, – of guys out there, and then it comes out on Friday morning that Kendrick Bourne's uh, test was a, a, a negative or was a false positive, and all these guys didn't even test positive or just close contact. So uh, it makes it a, a little more. If I was a San Francisco fan, Kyle Shanahan took the high road, did not complain at all. But if I was a San Francisco fan, I would have been pretty upset with the fact they didn't move this game back uh, to yeah. tonight, maybe on Monday night, maybe uh, or even Tuesday, like they have with so many games early in the season. Because this is exactly the result. If this was a Sunday game, all those guys would have played. I don't know if the result would have been different though. As you mentioned, the Packers uh, defense did not, uh, even though they were not giving up points. I didn't think they looked. <laughs> Like overly intimidating. Uh, the second half, San Francisco was able to move the ball more when they went back to more base uh, defense. But uh, so I'm not sure if we learned much about Green Bay's defense. But 
we do learn, and as we already knew about their offense, they're up there as one of the, I think, ranking in the top two. Yeah, it's second in DVOA right now, and they showed it against San Francisco. And even with all the guys they had out, I think they have to, after what happened in the NFC Championship game last year in that same stadium, I think that has to be a really good feeling for Green Bay as they move forward. Yep, they're looking dominant right now uh, in a good spot. Uh, these two teams, not really. Falcons get the 34-27 win against the Broncos. Falcons tried to give it away. Broncos scored two touchdowns in two minutes late in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, can, I can only imagine if I'm a Falcons fan and I'm watching that game. Uh, I mean, it was you felt like it was over, mm-hmm. but at the same time, when the Broncos scored with, what was it, like 350-something left, and they scored again with like 150-something yeah. left. Um, yeah, I just think it's uh, – what else do you say? Like, I, I'm sure Falcons fans, even if they knew, like, we were going to win this game, but when that happened, you got to be thinking, oh, my goodness, please tell me this is not going to happen again. Uh, but overall, if you're a Broncos fan uh, and you're a, uh, let's say, Melvin Gordon fantasy owner like myself, uh, the fact that true, <laughs> fact that true lock is your leading rusher, uh, seven carries, 47 yards, not great. Uh, they just, I mean, look, it, this was a game where I think, you know, we said it, we thought the Falcons should win this game. Um, I don't really think you take much away from it because these are just two teams, you know, as we said. They're, they're two that came in mm-hmm. maybe with high expectations, but the Broncos, due to injuries, the Falcons, uh, we know how they started. Uh, just kind of one of those years where they're just kind of moving forward here. Yeah, it, I don't have a ton of takeaways other than yeah. we kind of talked about the matchup being bad, at least for Denver's offense. Uh, Atlanta's defense is not uh, really, really bad against the pass, but they're eighth in DVOA against the run. Sure enough, you saw, as you, as you mentioned, outside of the, if you take out Drew Locke's scrambles, I mean, Philip Lindsay, eight yards or eight carries for 23 yards. Melvin Gordon, six carries for 18 yards. That's just not going to get it done. Then you have the KJ Hamler end around for 15. So you have basically all of their efficiency at running what are on these either scrambles or that uh, the one end around just absolutely not able to get anything going there obviously late in the game uh drew lock yeah and if you're a jerry judy fan, uh, fantasy owner that is maybe a positive takeaway 14 targets it's a, his targets were already trending up the last couple of weeks finally really becoming a big part of this offense so Hey, if you're in PPR, at least, uh, even if he doesn't get that touchdown, still a guy that is turning upward. And you mentioned, yeah, on the Falcons side, I thought Matt Ryan looked the best, at least at least in the first half, looked probably the best we've seen him all season in terms of his deep uh, accuracy. He's still throwing off the back of his foot on for some reason on plays where he doesn't need to, but at least he was maybe he's getting more used to it because uh, he was a lot more accurate on the, just in the red zone and overall something that uh, they've struggled with on that side. They did not run the ball particularly well, but I didn't think they were going to be able to against Denver. Uh, so for them, they'll still be able to put up that many uh, – that many points against a pretty solid Denver defense. That's encouraging, but it's still the Falcons. They're still three and six, and you're still fighting a really uproad battle when you got to face the the Bucks and the Saints twice, and the Chiefs as well. Yep, not an easy schedule for the Falcons uh, for sure. Uh, Ravens 24, Colts 10. Um, I thought the Colts may have a chance to win this game. Good thing I didn't make mm-hmm. them my uh, upset pick because uh, mm-hmm. that was not the case. This was uh, another one. It was 14-10 going to the fourth. Uh, Ravens, of course, uh, pulled away there late in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that this game was really that much different than we expected. Like I said, even though for me, someone who maybe considered this possible upset, I just, you know, Colts got off to a good start. But, in the end, I mean, Lamar Jackson's the difference maker, and that's usually the case uh, when and the Ravens play anyone. And so uh, you just kind of saw that here, and, and the Colts offense just could not do much at all here, and, and they just they, they struggled to be able to, you know, do the things they needed to do uh, to win this game, that a couple turnovers. And, uh, yeah, this was just one where the Ravens, I mean, I know 
yardage wise, you know, you look at the Colts and you see all these yards, but of course mm-hmm. you had the fumble return and everything. Uh, yeah. The Ravens are just the Ravens defense made things happen, and so did Lamar Jackson, and that's a that's a pretty good combination. Yeah, well, even though they've lost to the two best teams they've played in uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas City, the Ravens for me are a team that I just I if everyone else in the you know. I, I think they're going to be better by the end of the season than they were last year because of this defense. This defense now, I mean, they should have – they played insanely well against Pittsburgh last week. Now, obviously, the Colts offense, not necessarily uh, trusting Phillip Rivers to be as dominant as he used to be or anything like that, but they have, they've just really taken their game on defense to a level that I didn't know they are going to be, you know, in the top five in DVOA at this point. Um, that, this game played out to what we thought it would be in terms of the, the under uh, with only 34 points because both defenses are really good. Indianapolis's defense is also much better than I thought um, it would be going into the season, but I think the difference is I don't think Baltimore's offense is anywhere close to where it can be uh, by the time we get to the playoffs. They've ran the ball decently well on the season, uh, not really well in this game. Uh, even just uh, Lamar Jackson's efficiency is the only guy that, like you said, he's able to make some plays where Indy had great defenses, and he's just able to use his athleticism to get first downs, and that kind of was the difference in the game. Baltimore much more efficient on third down. But, yeah, I I just – when I think about Baltimore for the long term uh, in terms of what they're going to be able to do, I just think their offense still isn't completely on the level it can be, and because of how dominant their defense is, they become – I'm not putting them over Kansas City uh, by any means because Kansas City's defense is definitely pretty solid uh, and better, I think, than last year. But, man, that's that's the thing that scares me. When Baltimore's offense really can hit that gear that we know they're capable of, that combination with their defense makes them at least the second-best team for me where, yeah, I know they just lost to Pittsburgh, but I'll, I'll probably, if they're playing next week again, I'd be picking Baltimore to win. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Kansas City. Uh, certainly going to be a team right there with those two, with the Ravens and, and the Steelers. In the AFC, and uh, man, they they had a game uh, on their hands uh, on yeah. Sunday because uh, it's kind of I mean I don't we we didn't think it would be this close I don't think but we did say like this was that game where it's sort of the future of the offense in the NFL right here where you've got you know the Chiefs with what they do and you've got the Panthers kind of you know innovative uh, trying to do there with Matt Rule and Joe Brady and those guys uh, we kind of saw that here in this one like we had some some good offense in this game uh, with these two and you kind of figured that was going to be the case. Um, unfortunately, uh, even though the Chiefs get the win here 33-31, the biggest talking point coming out of this probably is the fact that Christian McCaffrey uh, seemingly going to be sidelined for a little bit again Mm -hmm. uh, after that shoulder injury. That's not good for the Mm -hmm. Panthers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, because, again, they were right there with the chance. I mean, he scored that touchdown late in the game, and and that cut it to to what the final margin would be. But, um, man, it's just, uh, you know, obviously they're a different team when he's on the field. But uh, that's, that's unfortunate for the Panthers because they're really fun to watch now and I think that's going to be the case here moving forward as long as they sort of keep this nucleus intact uh, and just continue building up that defense but uh, another win for the Chiefs yeah a lot of teams are going to give up over 30 points to the Chiefs that's you know that's fine but yeah they're what they did on offense I don't think uh, and I know Kansas City's defense still gets a decently bad rap but it's not bad it's ranking 13th in DVOA going into this game they've been solid so for Carolina to put up 31 I really love their aggressiveness I 
think that they talked a bit about at the end of the game. They knew they were going to have to be against Kansas City so and how many points they were going to be facing. So they're obviously the fake punt in their own territory. They convert that. They had the other fourth downs and uh, just just really, really loved the game plan and how exciting they were. Three for three, yeah, if you include also the fake. But outside of the fake, two for two on regular, you know, fourth down conversions. Guys that were putting their body in the line, making great plays. I yeah, you're three and six if you're Carolina, but you have to be really happy with the culture where it's at. And like you're saying, it just a lot of defensive reinforcing seems to be made. And for Kansas City, it's just, uh, you know, it's another dub. You're eight and one. You're still feeling good, even though you only beat a team like Carolina by two points. We just saw the Panthers uh, take the Saints right down to the wire. They've played good competition really well this season. So I wouldn't say it's just a, a nothing opponent. And you're going to have games where maybe your defense isn't as locked in. Um, and the Carolina game plan was great. So you had the combination, like you're saying, just amazing play calling, amazing offensive-minded football out there. A lot of uh, great just athleticism. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And at the end of the day, when you have that guy, even if you're not able to run the ball at all, um, you're still going to uh, often find ways to win. Maybe, And that maybe isn't one of the takeaways for, and it's only uh, 10 actual carries that Kansas City had. But for Carolina to to be able to still only give up an average of 2.5 yards per carry, that's an accomplishment for this run defense that we've talked about. It's been really, really bad. I'm sure Kansas City going into the game, obviously you don't want to get too too sucked up in running the ball when you have Patrick Mahomes, no matter who you're facing, no matter how bad the run defense allegedly is. But I think that's still something to be said. I'm sure Kansas City went into this game thinking they're going to be able to run the ball more, and Carolina uh, also another reason to be aggressive. If you get early leads, teams are going to have to throw on you more. So uh, all good things for Carolina despite the loss speaking of all good things the nfc east uh we're back uh, there uh, wow just um and my my washington pick for for winning this division not looking too well now although let me just point out even with this 23 20 loss to the giants washington's still in second place in this division uh, by the way but let, let me just read that i'm just i mean we just need to put this on record here your current nfc east standings the Eagles at the top at three, four, and one. Washington at two and six. Cowboys at two and seven. Giants at two and seven. Oh, that's a that's a that's a gauntlet right there. Um, I obviously the biggest takeaway from this game here between these two uh, Giants, Washington. Just being honest, like I don't think a lot of people probably had their eye on this one necessarily. Uh, unfortunately, it was noteworthy for the fact that Kyle Allen uh, seemingly suffered a pretty yeah. significant injury, although. Uh, not as significant maybe as first uh, it appeared to be, uh, but still, nonetheless, the significant injury seems like uh, Alex Smith probably going to be the starter here the rest of the way. Uh, but uh, you know, I again, this is another one of those games. We hate to keep saying this, but uh, you know, these are two teams that, that aren't very good, and there's just uh, you know, somebody had to get a win, I guess, unless they tied, which uh, I would have probably been the most uh, NFC East thing ever. Yeah, if I if I had known going into the game that. Uh, um, Daniel Jones was undefeated against Washington. He's now with this win four and zero, and against everyone else, he was one and sixteen. Maybe yeah. I would have changed my mm. pick, um, but no. I this game, even though the result ends up being a Giants win, Washington outgained them, really outplayed them for a lot of it. But there's five turnovers to zero. The fact that they're even in this game when they had a, a, a turnover margin that insane is is uh, saying something. I didn't think their defense played particularly well. They usually uh, are able to get to the quarterback better, able to force turnovers themselves. Just it wasn't happening on that side. And the Giants, to, to their credit, I mean, last week the, they almost beat the, the Buccaneers, and now in this one they get a victory. They're 2-7, and seven, but do you think they <laughs> – do you, uh, I don't know. Do can't believe we're having this conversation. Do you think they're, 
team that in this division has looked the best the last three weeks. Maybe. Uh, yeah, um, I don't disagree. I, don't know if that's yeah. I mean, Dallas, you could say something about what they just did uh, holding their own against Pittsburgh. But I don't know. The Giants have, uh, outside of a really tough uh, last-second loss to Dallas, that was the game where Dak got hurt, and then the, uh, the Thursday night crazy game in Philadelphia. I mean, they could be sitting uh, – at least I look at them more. I'm like, they're, unlike Washington, I'm like two and six, maybe they – it could be a game better. Dallas, maybe a game better. The Giants are the one team out of these, out of those three behind Philly, where I'm like, you know, they could be actually, like, they should be maybe a couple games uh, better than they are. They they've played the best against that or against their best opponents all season of any of these teams, um, and we'll see over the course of the, the end of the schedule that they do have some tough opponents. But I don't know how many wins it's really going to take. Maybe Philadelphia's still in the best position in court in terms of uh, the pro football. Well, outsider projections, they're still the, the heavy favorites to win this division. But Washington and the Giants are still hanging around. And I think the Giants, at least for a 2-7 and seven team, I, I feel like you have to feel a little good about where they, how they played. I guess we'll see. Maybe they'll be having a different story uh, when they get to competition outside of their division. Of course, their two wins are both against Washington. Oh, from one juggernaut showdown to the other. Uh, Texans and Jags. I mean, this is just... I don't know. We're, we're going to start putting like a like a 30 second on the, when we do these games. Like, all right, if you're two teams that are this bad, we just we're going to give you 30 seconds. Otherwise, we got to we got to talk more about Aaron Rodgers and um, the Saints and other. I mean, this is just. Whew, here's another game between two bad teams. Although this was pretty entertaining. Like, I think this is more entertaining than the Giants in Washington. Um, but I I hate to see Deshaun Watson sitting here on this two and six Texans team um, that had to struggle to get the win against the Jags. But here we are, and um, I, another one. Like I don't I don't know what to say. Like I don't know what you say about these two teams because uh, the Texans are clearly you know we don't know what their future holds with them. The Jags are terrible. Um, so the Jags are just tanking for that first pick at this point. I, I don't know. Like it's just good luck. I, I just I, I don't know what you take away from this game either. Yeah, I mean uh, maybe the biggest takeaway that Jake Luton Luton. I'm sorry, however you pronounce his name. <laughs> his family got to see him have a pretty exciting yeah. first uh, game in the NFL. Um, and James Robinson, fantasy owner, still probably enjoying his usage rate. I mean those are the my biggest takeaways, I guess. Um, not a lot to say. I mean, Deshaun Watson, they get the win, but he didn't look as maybe a, as good as I thought he would be able to, uh, you know, put on that kind of superstar performance against Jacksonville. Obviously, he only do so much with some of the guys he has around him. Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, fantasy owners, finally get something good going their way. I know week to week it hasn't been the most consistent. Uh, maybe, yeah, I guess fantasy is basically my biggest takeaways, and, and also that uh, Fairbairn can hit uh, with um, <laughs> both of his uh, deep kicks. It looks like he could probably nail it from uh, 60-some-odd yards, so that's about all my takeaways for that one. All right, then let's get to the main event here. Uh, the the true future of the NFL right here, the Dolphins and the Cardinals. Dolphins, 34-31 win here in Arizona. The Dolphins are in the playoffs as of right now. Yes. Um, how, like, this is just, this was a game right here. That's what you said. You talk about exciting games, and you wonder why. We're not trying to knock the Giants and Washington and Texans and the Jags, but... <laughs> Like this was a game. Like this was uh, this one had you invested uh, the whole way because uh, this was just man. You talk about two future stars. They're already stars uh, with yeah. Kyler Murray and Tua. But boy, <laughs> it's gonna be fun to watch these two for a while because uh, they pretty much uh, put on a show here in terms of what they could do. Uh, of course, uh, Kyler Murray had uh, almost 300 yards passing. He had uh, over 100 yards on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. This was man. This was a lot of fun. I mean, that's what we talk about. Like this is. We talked about Brian Flores. I can remember back when we had those conversations last year, as bad as the Dolphins were, and then the way they turned things around late in the season, we said, listen, 
I'm not saying they're going to turn into you know a playoff team right away, but they're they're moving in the right direction based on where they were at the start of last season. And now to see them sitting here at five and three, um, as we said, Bills are going to win this division. But like the Dolphins, they could very well be a playoff team at this point. Like I think that you see the yeah. way the offense looks right now. Um, man, I, I don't know. Like I just think, and we've always said it. Like if you follow college football, you follow Tua. The dude just has something that, you know, yeah. the team wins. Like, they just find ways to win. And, of course, we talked about them beating the Rams. Now they beat the Cardinals. Um, man, I don't know. Like, we, we certainly have to pay attention to the Dolphins now. Yeah, a lot of teams in this playoff race kind of have empty calorie wins, but they do not. I mean, yeah, they have three wins against the what we've been referring to as the best division in, in football they, in yeah. the NFC West, and they, they kept Seattle and went right down to the wire in that one. They go 3-1. and one, They got against the NFC West. They have those games now all off their plate, and now they can focus on, as we talked about on the last podcast, we said, hey, if they win this game, uh, look out because they got the Chargers are probably the best team out of their next four opponents. <laughs> they play the Broncos, Jets, and Bengals otherwise. They're set up to make a move here. Um, and uh, I I don't think, yeah, at this point, they should <laughs> expect themselves to get into the playoff hunt and be a, a playoff team, at least on the uh, with one of those last couple wild card spots. And like you said, it's just crazy to think about how far they've come this quickly. And we talked about how excited we were with the, the culture and everything Brian Flores was uh, doing, but also just – the fine-tuned details of this defense coming along way faster than I thought they would. Obviously, they give up a ton of points and yards in this game, but uh, it's, it's another week where they get a defensive touchdown, and there's uh, uh, one of the beat writers for the team tweeting about just how much in the offseason they really focus on uh, like practicing day-to-day-to-day on scoring on defense. And like even though, yeah, it's not really something you can control week-to-week, but they – it's just an emphasis that some teams maybe, you know, if you pick it up and score, great, but actually to practice the downfield blocking, all the – different things that uh, go into getting those special teams and defensive scores. That's some just another detail of uh, this team that they're focused on. Uh, Tua definitely after against the Rams, who defenses, the Rams defense has been pretty solid, as we've said all year, but uh, after he had a pretty, uh, you know, not inspiring first game of his career last week, first start, and he comes into this one against a pretty solid, not as good, but pretty solid Arizona defense and looked fantastic. I mean, his efficiency was great. He uh, Just his manipulation of the pocket when there was pressure, he did everything he could to put them in a the place to win. I, I know Fitzpatrick has been great for them, but I don't know if they win with Fitzpatrick compared to what Tua was able to do out there. Obviously, it helps to have that missed field goal at the end of the game. Some big, really big stops. And, yeah, for their defense, again, yes, they give up a ton of points to Arizona. But, uh, I mean, the game game comes down to that one fourth and inches or whatever that Arizona misses, then a third and one in that final drive, but they don't get it. And Cliff decides to attempt the field goal instead of going for it. I mean, those are plays where it's just a a very small margin of error. And both times Miami's defense made the play. And here they are, five and three with the record. And Arizona, on the flip side, real quick on them, I – a tough loss, but I still think you have to be really encouraged, and also for this team to see how quickly they, they flip from, and people uh, kind of questioning them for so quickly uh, putting the Josh Rosen era to bed after one season going drafting Kyler. I don't think anyone's <laughs> complaining about where they are right now. I don't think you could be less happy as a Cardinals fan, even with this result of where your franchise is at this point. The offense looks great, and the defense, even though they didn't get the job done completely in this one, coming along pretty well. Arizona still a definitely a contender in the playoffs. I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if both these teams are in the postseason for sure. Yep, would love to see it because, as we said, they're very exciting, very entertaining to watch, and uh, no doubt two of the, cute, two of the quarterbacks, uh, the few 
future in the yeah. NFL. Like I said, they're already there. But, uh, yeah, going to be a lot of fun to see uh, with that one. Uh, all right, that wraps up uh, our action from the week. And uh, as we said, we've still got the uh, Patriots-Jets uh, Monday night. As you're listening to this, you already know what happened. And hopefully um, Damian Harris has a huge game. Please. I just uh, <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm on a winning streak in the family league. I really need him to come through here because, uh, I, listen, on a team that I have Kyler Murray and Devontae Adams. Think about that. They both just went off. But – the rest of my team just was not good, and yeah. uh, the person I played, I think, had Tyree Kill, which I know you have, Dylan, in the Clutch yes. Points League, and a lot of other people who just went off. So, um, so yeah, not ideal, but uh, big, hoping for a big game from Damian Harris. Give him, give him 25 <laughs> carries, three touchdowns. That's all I'm looking for. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens there. All right, before we wrap up, let's talk about our fantasy uh, pickups for the week real quick. Then I'm going to start at the quarterback position. You know exactly where I'm going here uh, <laughs> because uh, I was one of the ones that picked him up. And actually, I told mm-hmm. him, we talked about it on the previous episode. I started him this week. I said, Joe Burrow's on a bye. I'm going with the other, uh, you know, freshman uh, rookie uh, QB wonder here. And I picked up Tua and, hey, turned out pretty well for me uh, with this. And I think, as we said, just watching this offense. I, I'm telling. I don't. I don't think it's a bad ad at all for them because, yeah. like you said, remember who they're going to be playing here moving forward. Like they've yeah. got these games. Like they've got the Bengals. Um, you know, they've got as we said, some of these other teams are going to play. I think do they play the Jets. Yeah, they play, yeah, the, they Jets play the Jets. Jets yeah. The Bengals, the Broncos, and the Chargers mm-hmm. the next four weeks. Yeah. Right in your right in your playoff run. Listen, right there. that's uh, pick him up. I'm telling you, in case you know, even if you're not starting him, like if you're a quarterback, something gets injured. Like he is, I think you got to pick him up for sure. And uh, he's he's definitely for me at the quarterback position. Some of the others I'll mention, um, Austin Hooper, tight end-wise, he's someone. I know it's not a, you know, we talk about tight ends. It's kind of a hard position to predict, but uh, he's someone I'd keep my eye on. Uh, And probably, I guess, um, Jordan Wilkins, unfortunately, I hate to admit this, but uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, I I don't know what his uh, it's going to look like for him moving forward, but uh, Jordan Wilkins led the way in carries against the Ravens. So he's not someone I feel strong about in terms of I'm not just going to run out and grab him, but. I would keep my eye yeah. on him as well. Yeah, uh, I, obviously in the quarterback position, completely agreed. I, outside of Tua, in terms of that play, especially the, the last four weeks here with that schedule, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, we kind of talked about him, but I, I still think Tua, if, if, if you're choosing between the two, just based on the schedule that we have moving forward, he's the guy to go with. Uh, not a terrible schedule for Teddy after Tampa Bay this week with Detroit, Minnesota, but he does have a bye in week 13 that last week uh, when trying to get in the postseason. Obviously, you hopefully, if you're deciding between either of these guys, you have another uh, quarterback in your back pocket anyway. Um, so they'll be starting. At, um, in terms of the running backs, just looking quickly, it's, I mean, I wouldn't try, like, I'm just looking at some of the guys available. I, I wouldn't really trust his usage week to week in Jarek McKinnon. Obviously, I, I just don't think that's someone I'd be too uh, too high on at this point. I, even Josh Kelly, I, or Tony Pollard, all these guys, it's like, man, it's it's not looking pretty. Like you said, Wilkins is probably the one guy because uh, Jonathan Taylor, I'm just not as positive what's happening there. Uh, Wayne Gallman, I guess. I mean, depend, uh, honestly, he's not just this week now. It's kind of been back-to-back weeks where I've – kind of been feeling like he deserves a little more uh, credit. Maybe not a guy you're starting week to week, but depending on the buy and the matchup, his 20% uh, ownership rate is pretty low given his now uh, usage rate and his efficiency the last three weeks in a row, putting him up double digits points. He's got Philadelphia again next week and Cincinnati after their buy. So some decent performance uh, or chances to put up performances. A guy I picked up in one of my leagues that didn't do as well, Gus Edwards, I still just don't know. Well, week to week, I mean, he, he was able to get a few points there, but 
uh, especially when Mark Ingram's back, that's going to be a bigger question mark. Devontae Booker maybe in Vegas is a really big reach, but his usage rate was a lot higher than I anticipated uh, it, uh, that it was going to be in this game. Uh, he's down at owned in less than a percent of leagues. Uh, just overall, his number of uh, uh, snaps is, keeps going up, so that's one guy to track. Uh, the running back position, tight end, I, I wouldn't be too high on many of the guys, as we kind of talked about at length in the last episode. Hopefully you're feeling decent where you are. Receiver, I already said Curtis Samuel. Now I, I played him again, and sure enough, he played really well again. I, don't, I still don't know why people aren't realizing that he, in Matt Rule's offense, and, and as the seasons progress, he just has such a big role. He's not. It's not like these are just random plays. He's getting a lot of targets um, in the passing game, but he's also still going to run the ball, especially now that McCaffrey's going to be out. I think, yeah, he's only going to have more opportunities. He's probably the one receiver um, I'm looking at at this group. Nelson Aguilar, if you got to really uh, dig deep, I, he's still getting a, a decent target share uh, given his 14.7% uh, roster uh, percentage. Jalen Rager, I guess, is another one. Uh, the Eagles play some pretty bad defenses coming up here. Um, yeah, so I sure. guess you could, and given their injury situation, as we know, um, I don't think that's a bad bad choice uh, because, and as well, they could be playing from behind in some of these games too. But uh, mm-hmm. we'll see. They do have the Giants coming up next, and that's always a good opportunity. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There's some options uh, if you want to look at it. Uh, fantasy, we're getting into crunch time here. As I said, uh, looks like uh, Dylan and I both going to get the win here in the Clutch Points League. Stay in that top four, uh, right where we want to be heading into uh, the stretch run. Uh, so we'll see see what happens uh, the rest of the way. But uh, be sure to uh, check all that out and uh, check everything we have out going on at Clutch Points, Dylan. we got a lot of great stuff going on over there. Uh, lots of ways to keep up with everything going on in the world of sports. Yeah, even though the NFL is the only sport going on, you can follow all of those games in the Clutch Points app. We'll have the MLB uh, when it's back eventually, and NBA not going to be too long, maybe only a couple months until those games are back. Uh, you can follow those in the Clutch Points app. You can also read all of our written content in the app uh, separated by each sport. Uh, if you go to clutchpoints.com to the NFL section, follow, follow our NFL content there. If you search fantasy football, uh, tomorrow when this podcast is coming out, we'll have our article out with our top 10 waiver wire pickups for uh, going into week 10. And then, yeah, we'll have all of our start and uh, articles, droppables, all that kind of good stuff uh, covered if you just search fantasy football clutch points. Yeah, excited now. Finally passed the halfway point of the season. And it looks like even if there are still cases happening sporadically all over the place, it looks like we're going to make it through the season at, at some point. Yep, hopefully that's the case. Uh, so be sure to follow all the stuff. Over at Clutch Points, uh, check that out. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, you can find us there. Just search for Established Past. And uh, thanks, as always, to the fine folks uh, at Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you, as always, for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time here on the Established Past Podcast. All right, let's tell you about Bet Online. Uh, football back in full swing, as we know, and while you may not be out of game this year, you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. Game spreads and totals, uh, team, player, coaching props, Bet Online has it all, and they give you more options to wager than anywhere else. Plus, you can get in on the season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, division, championship futures all day, every day. All you got to do, head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget, use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.